be in Luke chapter 15. If you've got your Bible, Luke chapter 15. Uh, we are going to spend three weeks with the, the lost son. Uh, some of your Bibles may say the prodigal son, uh, but that's, an on, that's only a word we use when talking about the prodigal son. Uh, in the end, he's just lost. He just says he's left home, he's lost his way. Well, this week we're going to talk about the lost son. Next week we're going to talk about the older brother. And the third week, which is Easter, we're going to talk about the waiting father. So please um, be a part of this series. I think it'll, it'll bless your life and be worth uh, your time to it. We are a group of people who, and this is, this is a harsh statement, although you might not understand it to be a harsh statement at first, it is a harsh statement. We are a culture, a group of people who are self-conscious, but not self-aware. What I mean by that is we are very good at looking in the mirror and saying exactly what's wrong with ourselves. We can look in and say, well, I need to lose some weight, or if you're like me, it's I need to get taller, um, I've been exercising a lot, haven't gotten any taller, um, and I, I think I'm shrinking, I don't know, last time I measured I was shorter than I've ever been, I just don't know what's going on, but like I, I wish I was taller, I wish I was thinner, I wish I was more muscular, I wish, wish I had this type of hair, you know, it's, people with curly hair always want straight hair, people with straight hair always want curly hair. And we're, not, we're never really happy with our appearance. Like these, these superficial things we're very conscious of. But we rarely look in the mirror and say, I am greedy. We never look in the mirror and say, I am proud. We're very conscious of the superficial, but we're not very aware of ourselves. We never look, we never walk away from a conversation. We often, like, we'll interact with somebody, we'll walk away and say, well, I wonder if they thought I was dressed nice, or I wonder what they thought about the, these little superficial things. But we rarely say, wow, did I, did I lie about half the stories I told just to make myself look better? Like, the actual things that are eating us um, inside, that are turning us um, sour, that, are, that aren't, exactly who Jesus has called us to be, those are the things we are not that aware of. We're very self-conscious. But we lack a self-awareness. Have you ever watched someone take a selfie? Not have you ever seen a selfie. If you don't know what a selfie is, um, you should get the internet. They, a selfie is when they take a, big, take a, take a, an, a, a picture of your selfie, yourself. And the problem is, is what happens, what's funny about this is uh, to watch someone take a selfie. I've seen this in public, at the mall. Just, they'll... And you're just... Do you not think, that's it, I nailed it. This... Do you not, are you not aware of what you look like? Are you not aware that you're making those faces? Now what will come out is this, like this, this picture of this girl or this guy, unfortunately, uh, with 
that looks like maybe the best angle for them. That's what they're trying to do, best angle. But Quit it. Stop doing that. This, this is not that healthy for you. Um, some people think it's stealing your soul, but that's just aboriginal. That's just the aborigines think that it's just draining you of, and I think they might have some, we, we can post this fake version of us on a regular basis. The, last, yesterday, I posted a picture of Nolan crying online, of him crying. He was mad. Rachel had come in from uh, being gone most of the day, and I'd had him. He was so excited. He went to her, and she said, quick, I've got to give him back to you. I'll be right back. And so she gave him back to me, and he hated me. Now, the problem is, is most times, the reason I posted that is most people will come up to me and they'll say, that baby is always happy. Are you gauging that just by Facebook? Because he cries a lot. We just don't, at that point, think, well, this needs an Instagram filter. You know, we don't think that that's something to post. But we've got to post it every once in a while just to let you know he's a normal baby. Well, he's my son, so he's probably a little not normal. <laughs> We've yet to figure that one out. So there's a, like, we have a very keen understanding of how we appear in our own mind, but we don't actually have an understanding of what we're doing to appear that way. We're very self-conscious. And we lack a self, self-awareness that is disturbing. Lack, lack, we lack the self-awareness that it can, can really, it can really be a problem. So the story begins like this. Jesus continued. Jesus is telling the story. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. All right, now, most times, preachers have twisted this a little, um, and I don't think it's fair. They've said, he, he's basically going to his father and saying, I wish you were dead. Uh, no, that's not true at all. Uh, in in, in Jesus' time, all the way back to Abraham's time, uh, you, the oldest son got a double share, got double share of the inheritance. So if you had five sons, you divided your inheritance up by six and gave two of the portions to the oldest. And so what, what was going to happen here is this, the father was going to divide up his, he has two sons, he's going to divide up his um, estate by three, give two to the oldest and one to the youngest. When that happens, typically the, the, the youngest son doesn't stay where they are. They usually sell out, take theirs and start over somewhere else. Uh, so what he's doing is saying, Dad, can I get a jump on this? You are hanging around a bit too long. I don't wish you're dead. I'm glad you're alive, but your timing is really throwing me off. I, he wanted his inheritance so he could go start his life elsewhere. He doesn't wish his dad was dead. He just, he wants his inheritance. Father, give me inherit my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. Two thirds to the oldest brother, one third to the youngest. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. This is a mistake. 
But it's not necessarily a mistake that we connect with. Because when we say squandered it in wild, wild living, we just picture him kicking in the door of a booze store. Is that what they call it? A booze store? And kicking in the door of some sort, get, get me everything you have, and going downtown and picking up whatever is walking down there and having all these riotous parties. And that's how we paint the lost son. Someone who we could never be or we never are. Maybe rarely are in our case, in some case. So we, we paint him as someone that's different. Squandering your wealth with wild living could look like buying a TV you can't afford. Buying a house that will make you house broke. Wild living is any time you live outside of your means. And you squander your, what God has given you just on what you want. His wild living left him broke. Your wild living will too. You will not be prepared for times when you need to be prepared. All I'm getting at is I I don't think that we should be so harsh on the lost son. I don't think we should be so hard on him because we have made similar demands and similar mistakes when we do not we do not have a um a healthy understanding of what god has given us and blessed us with and so we just run off and we just squander it he squandered all he had now listen what happens next after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need after he'd spent everything he had here comes famine i would argue that most people if they if you just ask people to retell you the story of the prodigal son i would argue that 95 percent would leave out the famine it's not part of the story that's just in our brains but it's actually a really important part of the story. Because you can squander everything you have and still just eke by week to week. But when the famine comes, week to week won't cut it. You may not have even realized you've squandered what you had until the famine comes. Until some outside force Famine can be unexpected. Medical bills. A famine can be um, can can be no food, which I think which is what a famine is. A famine famine can be a lot of different things, outside forces that affect us. When you're self conscious and not self aware, a famine will hit you harder than you think it does. An outside force, an outside tragedy, it will hit you harder than you could imagine. We'll go on. Look what happens. So, 
He went and hired himself out. Didn't have anything. Famine hit. He was very much in need. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. All right, real quick. We don't get this. This is disgusting. Not to you. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, not to you. I mean, we're, we're fine. We're fine with pigs. Uh, we're used to hog farms. We're very used to bacon. Um, I didn't get an amen. That's the first time I've ever mentioned bacon and didn't get an amen. Yeah. Well, I guess spiritually, I might be with it this morning. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You're not supposed to amen bacon, but in the South we do. But we're used to it. We're used to pork. We're used For them... Eating a pig was like, for us, eating a rat. Yeah, there you go. That's the emotion you should feel here. When Jesus is telling this story, he says, well, he's, he, he's, he's in working with pigs, wanting to eat what the pigs, he's wanting to gather around the table with the unclean. They thought pigs were disgusting because they were unclean. Not just because the law said they were unclean, but the law thousands of years ago said they were unclean and their their culture had stayed away from pig and pork for that long. So there are cultures in this world that that might eat things that you don't eat. Like far off countries like Louisiana. I, I wanted to say, I thought it would... My initial thought was to say far off, far off third world countries like Louisiana. But I thought that would have been harsh. But here I am saying it anyway. That's how I, that's how I sneak jokes in that I didn't think I should say. I just, oh, I didn't say this. <laughs> I just said it. Um, but, so we got in places where you, you, someone put something in front of you and think, oh dear, this is wiggling. If you go, if you go to an or, if you go to China and they put something in front of you, you and it, and and it's not just we we like calamari. They're like squid, like grab squid plate here. I'm not gonna eat that. For them, that's what pork was. This is what pork was for a for a first century Jewish audience. For Jesus to say he was hanging out with pigs and he wanted to join them at their table. This is him saying this was the worst place he could be. But look what happened. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He asked and asked the pigs, but they said no. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you got a plan I've got my dad has people working for him who've, who've got food to throw food out and here I am I'm about to die I'm going to go back to my father and get some food hired hand So he got up. I am no longer, he said, I'm going to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up 
and went to his father. This is the most important thing he did. You notice his motives aren't that actually that pure? Like he's, he's not returning to the father because he's realized, man, I've, I'm a horrible person. He does say I've sinned against heaven and against you. But his initial thought is, I'm hungry. His initial, the initial driving force is him needing something that his father has. And he realized finally at this moment that the father has this thing and he didn't even realize how good he had it. I think, I think repentance works like that, unfortunately. It's not until we hit the rock at the bottom that we realize we need to climb our way back out. It's not until we're humiliated. Not until we've lost friends. Not until we've um, dishonored our um, relationships. It's not until we find the tragedy. Oftentimes, it's right there at smack bottom that we decide to repent. And I guess the the call this morning is that you realize that that's not necessary. You don't have to wait until your life trajectory leads you to someplace dangerous for you to change the trajectory of your life, to change direction. Who you are right now, what you're doing right now is leading you somewhere. It's leading you to a place. And if you could maybe for a moment just wipe off the haze of your self-consciousness and become self-aware just for a second and pay attention to where you're going. And if what you are doing is leading you to a place where you would like to be, by all means, keep doing it. But if you can see just a hint of this path is not healthy, Get up and return to the Father before you hit rock bottom. That's that's the practice of being self-aware. Evaluating yourself. Um, I am... I hate saying this. I'm a funny person. People pay me to come tell stories that are funny. Um, not here. <laughs> That's not what y'all pay me to do. Um, but like at youth events, I'm a, I am a stand-up comedian. That's what I do at youth events. They're always like, could you come talk to us? Don't worry about the Bible. Just, you know, they, they don't want my teaching. They just want me to be ridiculous. And they say, well, are you this funny when you preach? And I say, well, typically, no, I'm not. Um, 
They say, you don't like write jokes for your sermon? I do sometimes, but not really. Um, but what happens is I listen to my... You, you may notice this. Most of the things that happen that are um, comical within the sermon is when I say something stupid and notice it. And I don't, wanna, I don't want y'all all going to lunch and being like, do you realize he said something stupid? So I want you to know that I know that, I, that what, something happened. And that's usually pretty fun. But see, I can be self-conscious or self-aware of, of what, what my, what are, what's happening, what's coming out of my mouth. But not be self-aware of what I'm doing or how I'm interacting with people. Or the relationship, the unhealthy relationship I'm developing over here. See, one of the, one of the um, beauties of the, of the human brain is that we know we're a human and that we have a brain. That's actually kind of a big deal. Most animals aren't that aware of themselves. We can be very self-aware. We can know that these actions will, will eventually result in these results. We can know where our life is heading. We can listen to people who are wiser than us say, if you go down that road, here's what you're going to get. And it's going to sound like prophecy, but it's not. There, every, I, I would guess, just in this small collection of people, most roads have been traveled. Right? Most people have lived an indulgent life. Or we have people here who've lived an indulgent life and it has landed them in an awful place. We have people who've watched people live um, a selfish life or a, or, a, or a life in which they squander the things that God has blessed them with. We've, lit, we've seen those roads traveled. So when com- someone comes to you and says, hey, um, you're, you're heading down a path that is detrimental. Listen to them. It's like if someone comes up to you and says, hey man, you were kind of being a jerk. You don't get to say, no I wasn't. Because then that's jerk thing number two. The people on the outside typically get to, are typically more aware of us than we are of ourselves. All, I, all I'm calling you for, calling you to today, is just to be self-aware enough, evaluate yourself enough that you don't have to hit rock bottom. We used to have guys come into uh, our church camps and stuff, and they would come into our cabins and tell us their story. I went off to college, and I don't remember half of it. I don't know why they all talk like a drifter. I, went, I, went, I woke up in a bathroom stall and decided to come to Jesus. I just, I didn't, I actually, I have a guy in mind whose story, that's his story. He'd come in and tell us that story, and I always thought, my story's not that interesting. I was 12 and gave my life to Jesus, went to a Christian college and became a preacher. Oh, it's a rough road. Now, that, that has nothing to do with me. I, have, I had parents who put me on a path, and I had mentors who kept me on a path. I, had, I fought that path hard. 
But my story doesn't end with me like hitting rock bottom and waking up and saying, oh, I need Jesus. But it could. It could still. The trick is not that I'm above it. The trick is you've got to pay attention to yourself and realize that what you are doing now affects how you will be doing later. And living the Christian life isn't just about like saying prayers and, and, and reading your Bible all those, those, and going to church. Those are good things. But to live the genuinely Christian life, you've got to be aware of what you're doing right now. The most important thing he did was get up and go. Changed his direction. Take an honest look at yourself. I mean an honest look at yourself. I've said it before. I hear a lot of teenagers say... um, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Well, if you truly didn't care what anybody thought of you, you wouldn't have just told me that. It doesn't make sense to say that out loud if you actually don't care. So all I'm getting at is pay attention to the image you put out versus what is actually happening in your soul. They're different. So may you project you may project confidence but actually be very lacking of self-confidence. That can lead to a dangerous place too. Pride can lead to a dangerous place. Gluttony, arrogance, greed, selfish ambition, gossip, slander can lead to dangerous places. The trick to repentance is not walking that road and finding yourself in a a pit with something disgusting and realizing you need to turn back. The beauty of repentance is that you actually get to turn back before any of that happens. You don't have to go down to the pit to climb up out of it. Change your trajectory today. Change your direction today. Starts with realizing which way you're going. Uh, I tell tell kids wait as long as you can to get married. Um, hold, uh, make sure that you've shaken the crazy out of your fiance and seen it in plain view. Before you commit. What now? <laughs> I really want to know what you said. Um, because there's going to there's gonna be more come out after you're married. I've heard. Rachel's not like this. Oh man, I just realized how dangerous of the waters I'm treading into. No, but like you've, you've got to, one of the reasons, I, I married someone I knew very well. One of the biggest mistakes we make is marrying someone we don't know all that well. And you say, well, I, I, I love them. And I don't hate them, so I've got to, I can't break up with them. I don't hate them. You don't have to hate somebody to break up with them. You just have realized they're not for you. Don't make a commitment. Don't head down a path unless you're sure that's a path worth traveling. 
been doing this Jesus thing for a while now, and I would argue that it is a task worth suffering. I'd argue that any turn you make away from one sin to maybe something else wasn't worth your time. But if you turn from your sin and head home to the Father, as we'll find out, especially in three weeks, in two weeks. That is a journey with, with reward you can't yet imagine. But it takes you being self-aware enough to realize when your path is heading someplace dangerous. If you think that maybe the decisions you're making or um, the relationships you're building um, are going to lead you to a place where you hit rock bottom. Or maybe you've hit rock bottom and you need help up. You need help changing direction. I think that's what church is for. It's one of the reasons we have so many people who have traveled so many different paths together is someone in this room has struggled with and beaten a sin you're struggling with now. We do this together. It's one of the reasons you come forward and you sit down here and you say, I am struggling with this sin because we do this together. It's why you say in front of the church, I am repenting because we do this together. And that's why when you come down and you want to commit your life to Jesus and you want to get baptized, we don't wait until the afternoon when no one's around. We all celebrate it together because we're walking this path. We're walking this way home together. And if that's something you want to join, if that's something you want to rejoin, if this Jesus is one you need, then please come forward as we stand and as we sing.